Hello and welcome. I'm Jade Scott. This is Growth RX, and today I am joined by the amazing Josh Mayer, all the way from Brisbane. How are you going? Sunny weather. I'm very jealous of you down here in Victoria. Hi, Jade. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's pretty nice weather up here. I've got to say, I don't want to rub it in people's faces too much. I know what everyone's been through, but um, on a positive note, I've been feeling the vibes from down south. Things are happening, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Restrictions lifting tomorrow. I'm kind of using all of these Derek's lives as a bit of a vlog and we've kind of evolved with each intro for each guest over the last 18 months of sort of what's happening. So it's going to be interesting to watch those back. But I'd like to introduce you formally because you've got quite the CV here and I don't want to miss anything. So I'm kind of going to read off my notes a little bit. Um, but you did graduate with an academic award in the Masters of Physiotherapy. So obviously a physiotherapist. Um, it's certainly a an avid and very reputable business owner. You've sort of been practicing for 20 years but had your own clinic for 14. But mainly, which I think you're most well-known for in the industry, is your dealings with some really elite and high-performance athletes up there in Brisbane, which I actually am really excited to hear a little bit more about as well. But you've since, I guess, taken a bit of a hiatus from being a clinic owner more recently which has shifted across your passion and obviously we can see behind you purpose and flow which is exactly what you're doing now and I think part of our conversations offline and the reason why I wanted to bring you on is we hear so much about this burnout epidemic which I think brings with it a lot of negative connotations to be honest and I I really I'm, I'm just a naturally uplifting positive inspiring person so to constantly talk about burnout I feel like brings us down and then the flip side of that is finding your why, you know, Simon Sinek made that very, very popular over the last decade in particular, and we can kind of see that behind you as well. But I love your different perspective in that purpose and flow comes into that why, and in particular, which is what you're going to chat to us about today, is more of that vision and alignment. And you've said to me many times that you think we're kind of missing an opportunity particularly with the younger generation of professionals with how we can work to resolve this purpose and flow obviously with generational change and we've spoken in depth about this things are changing it's not back in my day or this is the way I did it we as business owners as future leaders and as support networks for this next generation we need to really be changing the way we think or empathizing a little bit more with how life has changed so I can't wait to see you put all of this together. Um, but I guess a little bit more about you and your background. Why are you happy to extend and explore, you know, why this shift? I mean, obviously you were very successful as a business owner and and now, and I kind of don't, don't want to, um, I guess, sugarcoat it, but you're spending a lot of time doing the things that you love. You're out in the surf. You're spending time with your children and you've taken certainly not a step back, a step forward in many respects, but why Why the change for you and how did it come about and, and I guess why are you championing this space now? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think the change came about because, um, you know, I'll be up front, I went through a, a, a difficult period towards the end of my career and looking back, I'd probably coined that as um, burnout. <clears throat> Although in the lead up to that, um, when I reflect, there were some obvious signs and um, and symptoms that I'd probably been having for quite a long time and, um, you know, kind of just pushing through and kind of ignoring it. So it kind of all came to a head, um, you know, maybe a couple of years ago and um, it, it really probably sought me to um, to seek out some coaching myself. And through that period, I, you know, I kind of got asked why I was doing the things I was doing and how did it fit? And I kind of didn't really have any answers. And, um, you know, it, it sought me on this journey to uh, personal development. I've always been sort of interested in personal development, but this, this really sparked my interest and my curiosity, particularly around unwrapping myself. And, um, you know, I, I um, realised that... Uh, yeah, it, 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 the work I was doing within my, my business and physiotherapy really wasn't ticking the boxes and, um, you know, wasn't serving others the way I wanted to serve others and certainly wasn't bringing about the best version of myself. 
And, you know, so some deep reflection and, and some really great coaching helped me move forward. And, um, you know, I moved out of that space um, probably, I think it was 12 months um, after I'd sold my clinic. So I worked within it for 12 months. So I moved out of that space and I moved on to, to I had nothing on the horizon, like just moved into nothing. And, and um, you know, I probably had, I think it was three or four months of, um, you know, really very minimal commitment. And uh, I have to say that was just a lovely, lovely period in my life. I, um, you know, I connected with my kids. I um, didn't have the effect of, you know, heavy burdens and responsibilities on me. And, um, you know, picked up some of the pieces with, with other parts of my life that I'd, you know, been missing out on. And, um, you know, went for coffee with mates and surfed and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, kind of, you know, got myself back on track. And, you know, funnily enough, uh, an opportunity evolved through a, a really great friend of mine who also wound up his career in the corporate space um, Actually, he was the, I'll just share it with you because it's, um, it's open now, but he was the um, CEO of Stone and Wood Beer and um, really great guy. Anyway, we got to know each other really well over a, a long period. And um, yeah, we kind of both went through this period of, of difficulty and burnout. And so we started to join forces and co-create Purpose and Flow and help others who have been going through the same sort of thing. And that's, I guess, by virtue of, of my journey through the allied health industry and through physio, um, you know, it was a natural progression for me to, to dive back in and decide, hang on, we've got some challenges here and some, you know, research around that, you know, told me that I'm not the only one going through this and, and there's others before me. And so that's kind of where it stands now. Mm. And look, at you know, there's, there's one thing to go through what you did and then understand that you needed to, I guess, find that synergy between work and life balance. But to actually go out and start coaching in it and to start formulating courses, that, that's a whole next step in itself. I mean, how do you go from being so passionate about helping other people and talking about your own personal story to actually creating, a, you know, a 12-week program to actually help people through this area? I mean, why that next step forward? Is it because you didn't have the business anymore and you were kind of trying to fill a void or you... Uh probably more probably not probably more through you know it sounds a bit cliche and we'll talk about this in today's um session um probably more through a deeper understanding of what is purposeful for me and and you know what is my purpose um so you know i feel like unwrapping myself and and um, getting some knowledge of that then allowed me to easily make decisions about what's next and how you know, how I would um, live the next section of my career as part of, um, as a small part of my entire life vision. But, um, you know, um, one of the gifts that I discovered I had, which I didn't know prior to sort of um, unwrapping myself a bit more deeply was, you know, my, my gift for coaching and guiding. And so, um, you know, it seemed like a natural progression to be diving into the coaching space. And then you sort of think, well, what am I going to coach on? And, and like, hang on, surely there's a need for this. And like by virtue of, of um, you know, the, 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 I guess the, the age group of people that um, go through this, we, we've kind of had a, a, a you know, a, a pitch and a marketing pitch towards um, uh, midlifers. And so you'll see if you go to our website later on that there's a lot around helping people through this midlife transition. Um, and, uh, you know, the problem with that is that once people get to that position in life, they're symptomatic. We want to, you know, part of what we're talking about today and part of where I want to head, I want to stop people getting to the symptoms and, and you know, take prevention and, and, and see if we can get some messaging across that helps people before they reach that point. So that was really what sparked the interest in the coaching courses and the development of that. And, you know, there was some pretty heavy research and, and um learning around uh, purpose and, and all the constituents of it and um, and a whole lot of other little things. And, you know, I bounced some ideas off Ben, my business partner, and he's a, he's great um, with his personal development, been into it for a long time. So it's been a steep learning curve. And in many ways, I feel a lot like I felt, um, you know, at the beginning of my physio career, it's like, I don't know anything yet. Um, I can help people. Yeah. 
And it is. I mean, you you call yourself somewhat a, a life coach. You know, it's an obvious uh, progression to move from being a business owner and a very successful business owner into business coaching and indirectly life coaching is certainly a form of, of business coaching because ultimately you want everybody to thrive in business and in life. So it's just a really nice take on the differences in what we're already seeing. And as you said, we need to have these conversations early. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to you and stop chatting away. I'll scribble away as I always do in my notes and come back to you towards the end, but I'm happy for you to share your screen and take over. Thanks, Josh. Okay, I'll just share my screen here. Okay, can you see that, Jade? Is that? Yep. Perfect, okay. Okay, so let's chat today about what we've coined the great divide. And we're going to chat about a new model of thinking to try and bridge the gap between clinic owners and the newer generation, the rising generation of health professionals. So we just talked a little bit about my background, but, um, you know, what do I do now and what am I seeing? So, you know, it's become pretty clear to me that, um, you know, the industry needs help navigating um, a lot of the same problems that I went through. And, you know, in short, what am I doing? I'm coaching and guiding people within our community to live a life of freedom and harmony. And, you know, I used to think that freedom really was just lack of commitment. And I'd often spend my days trying to free up my time and have minimal commitments. But, um, you know, I, I've since learned that freedom is really more about building a vision, um, putting the actions into place and living life on your terms. And so, you know, this, this um, philosophy about um, being the, own arch the architect of your own future um, and living intentionally is really what freedom is about. And that's what I was missing. And, you know, that's what I'm helping others do right now. So <laughs> why do we need this? Why do the allied health professions need this? And I've specifically made this slide really busy because it just is busy, isn't it, our profession? It's just, it's just so much going on. And, you know, as clinic owners, um, you know, you can increase that um, threefold. So, you know, where do I begin? We've got a battle on our hands right now. And, um, you know, the nature of who we are and, and really what we're charged with, I think leads to this imbalance falling on our careers and our profession. Now, I know this because it happened to me and, you know, um, I help others in, in coaching today deal with the same problems. And I've written before about burnout and languish and, um, you know, this model here is something that I've um, uh, coined a little bit in some of the previous articles I've written. And, you know, I think the messaging here is if you are feeling a bit of pain with this and you're not burnt out or dropped out, then chances are you probably have felt compassion fatigue and, and may have experienced this, um, this term language that I've uh, written about previously. And where you fall on the spectrum here kind of is dictated by a lot of factors. Um, but, you know, it's important to note here, one of the take-home messages really is that burnout is an end state and that the signs and symptoms leading up to that uh, are really where we need to be taking note. And if possible, really not even getting to that point in the first place. Um, but, you know, burnout's really where your life is completely out of balance. One area of your life's usually consuming others um, and all your time and focus. And in this instance, we're talking about um, career. Okay, so what are we seeing? And you know, Jade and I sat down a couple of weeks ago and sort of had a good chat about exactly uh, the topic we thought we might present. And, um, you know, some of the things we're seeing is that um, younger health professionals are a bit afraid and reluctant to, to lean into a career that's seen a lot of their practice mentors leave exhausted and dissatisfied. And we understand why, don't we? I mean, at the end of the day, why would we want to follow that as a young clinician or a young graduate? You know, as an owner where um, things are shifting a little bit, we're still wearing the multiple hats, um, you know, business manager, development, um, recruiter, HR person, admin and so on. But, you know, 
we're now trying to sort of shift this into this productive environment for the rising professionals to grow and develop. And, you know, things like recruitment, retention and the satisfaction of, of our young professionals, I think is becoming a new frontier for this industry. So, you know, I've sat in these Facebook groups um, for years. I've, you know, been involved and a lot of what's getting posted is really around this, this, um, these problems that we're seeing between the two. And particularly retention, like, you know, as an owner, previous owner, I cannot illustrate enough how valuable it is to owners to form a long-lasting relationship. And, you know, I think as owners, it's not that we don't know about what's going on in the younger generation. It's more just like, what's the best way of bridging this gap? And how do we really, you know, how do we really talk to one another? So that brings us to this situation where we've got a little bit of of a divide and you know i've got a couple of tables here that kind of points out the differences um so you know with our younger younger health professionals the drive and motivation seems to be a little bit more about balance and sure they still want to be the best they can be but it's kind of not at all cost the way that perhaps it is in the older generation or certainly um, how it was with myself and you know it's not so much what we're doing in our roles for the younger guys, but but more why the why and the how and the who that matters. And so we're seeing this younger generation of professionals coming through wanting to be more purposeful, wanting to be more passionate, and um, and they want acknowledgement that their career is important, but also that overall well-being um, is just as important. They want to be re rewarded for their service as well, and and thought of for their contribution. And so I guess if we pit that against, um, you know, perhaps some of the, the, the older guys or the or clinic owners, um, people who have been around maybe 15 years or plus, um, you know, chances are that if you haven't taken time to get the balance right for yourself here, you probably have experienced an element of languish or compassion fatigue or even burnout. And I think this, this mob, for this mob, look, personal development, probably hasn't been a feature of the journey for them. And if it has, then it certainly hasn't been, um, it ha certainly hasn't been put forward as a, as a, a key component to our overall development by our, our um, national body and, and, and other um, associations. And, you know, our responsibilities pile up and it kind of just breeds this success or, or get through at all costs type attitude. And, you know, I think there's two vastly different dialogues there. So what drove the gap to guide, uh, sorry, what drove the gap to widen? Well, I'd say after a fairly lengthy career, 20 plus years, I guess I've got a little bit of insight on both sides. Um, but, you know, as an allied health graduate, you have been vocationally trained with a high level of specialisation. There's no doubt about that. And that narrow focus, um, I think, drives professional, our, our young professionals to maybe think about their career as um, being one long linear trajectory that sort of isn't flexible or isn't really that dynamic. And I wonder sometimes whether this begins in our schooling and, you know, we're ushering um, our, our students into this vocational line of study. It's kind of based on um, perceived academic ability um, and really not a broad life vision. And look, let's face it, you know, any allied health profession um, to go to get into it's hard and to go through it and get through it is probably even harder. And I think it just creates this early imbalance and possibly this neglect in other areas of your life. And, you know, career becomes a major driving force for our young professionals. So what's the difference? The difference is that now mainstream messaging is creating an obligation on our next generation to pursue happiness, balance, purpose, passion, and that really our careers should demonstrate the pinnacle of this. I think back then there was not the emphasis on being able to create, create a holistic balance between your career and, and the other parts of your life. And so now what have we got? We've got young people who are looking for passion, purpose, balance and happiness, who are watching and hearing and learning from many of us older guys who, I hate to say it, don't have our shit sorted. Um, 
don't worry. Some of the younger crew don't have their shit sorted either. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, it, it um, creates a mix of emotions, I'd say, when we have young people who have invested enormously in their career, feeling anxiety and fear around what might be coming and, you know, what's down the track for them. Um, so, you know, I feel as practice owners, we're, we're probably starting to connect a bit more and have greater balance, but I feel like it's, it's reactive. So it's not until the symptoms are being um, obvious to us that, that perhaps we're doing something about it. Um, you know, there's just no doubt, like balance makes career and business better. And when you create that as an owner in your clinic, it allows our young recruits and your team to know that it's possible as well. And I think the reason for this is because people, people are attracted to what we're doing, not what we're saying. Big difference between the two. Okay, so I really wanna tear apart some of these terms here because these, a lot of these terms are, are sort of buzzwords and um, are thrown around a little bit. And I wonder, you know, have they become terms of empowerment or, or obligation? And, you know, are they creating clarity or confusion? And, and is it possible that by reframing some of these things that we can sort of bridge this gap? So we'll talk about um, resilience first. And as I said, I think it's a term thrown around a lot and um, a little bit cliche. I mean, like, what do you think about when you think about resilience anyway? Like, what does it actually mean to you? Is it just like be tougher or is it, you know, tolerate more or is it don't ever say no, take everything on board? Is it, you know, what does it mean? Um, you know, I think it's something that's talked about a lot, but I, I wonder whether mainstream messaging is creating a bit of an obligation on our rising generation with this. Um, you know, I've heard statements in my career like, um, oh, this entitled generation don't know how to do it tough like we did. Uh, and I felt the gravity a lot of that during my career. Um, so, you know, it was funny with resilience because um, I always want, I, I ended up achieving a lot of the things in my life that I always wanted, um, you know, profitable practice, um, great house close to the beach, healthy kids, um, you know, good at sport, all those things. I sort of wondered why wasn't I coping? Like what, like, why was I not grateful for all I, all I had? And I kept telling myself, be resilient, you know, harden up, get on with it. But I think in retrospect, I missed a lot about, uh, what that term actually means. And you know, I think resilience is misrepresented as a call to tolerate situations in life. And, you know, we talk about, we talk about um, being grateful for what we have and, and that resilience is, is doing that because you're better off than, say, someone in a faraway land that doesn't have enough food or, or access to education or whatever. But I think that sentiment gets lost a lot in our, on our emerging generation. And, um, I think it's creating unnecessary anxiety. So what I want us to think about when we think about resilience is how connected are you to your life vision? And like, you know, do you have the courage to understand that having a shit day or, you know, conflict or emotional challenges are just a reminder to revisit what you want and change it up? Um, like, you know, do we have a life vision? Are you deviating? Is it time to assess? reassess are, are you on track you know if it's feeling uncomfortable it's sometimes hard to embrace that but I think it's a reminder that things are off balance and you know for me resilience is about um, recognizing this reassessing and acting and you know by doing that it becomes a term of empowerment not suppression so when we think about resilience, let's, you know, think about it as an opportunity to turn um, pain into possibility. Um, so just moving on, I've got a nice little infographic here, which I'm just going to let you all read for 20 seconds. So written down there is pretty much a lot of what I've just spoken about. Um, 
And um, yeah, I think it's really applicable when we think about resilience. Okay, let's talk about purpose. And, you know, I banged on a little bit about this before and, um, you know, said that understanding uh, my purpose was a, a key ingredient to making decisions about what was next. Um, you know, I need to talk about this idea, finding your purpose and sometimes what the ramifications of it are, particularly in our younger generation. Um, if you are working hard and, find, and, and really trying hard to find your purpose, trust me, that thing is not coming. <laughs> I tried to find it so hard, particularly towards the end of my career, to make sense of what I was doing and, and what I was going through. And um, I think in the end, what I learned is that rather than trying to find your purpose, we need to focus on living purposefully. And there's a big difference between the two. So living purposefully, what does it actually mean? So for me, it actually means knowing yourself first, knowing your gifts, your values, your passions, and, you know, intentionally finding opportunities to share these with others. And, you know, finally living intentionally towards a clear life vision. And, um, you know, when you live intentionally, you can sort of decide really what's acceptable at any given time. And I think the key word here is alignment. Um, you know, if you are doing that, your gifts and passions will naturally shine. And, um, you know, living on purpose with this alignment is really where the energy should be focused on, not, not the term find your purpose. And by sheer virtue of, of um, knowing your gifts, values and your passions, and sharing it, you'll see the little S at the end of the bracket there, sharing it. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's a perfect formula for purpose. I haven't necessarily um, stamped that as a, as a um, you know, a research formula, but it's just something we came up with um, during our readings and research around, around living purposefully. Okay, so, sorry, it's raining outside, guys. I'm not sure if you can hear that. All right, so how do we bridge this divide? What are we going to do? So for me, it comes down to this idea of alignment. And when we talk about alignment, this is really a solution for both sides of the divide. So it's not like, you know, our older, more experienced clinic owners or, or clinicians need to do one thing and then, you know, younger, younger um, graduates or whatever need to do another. Both of us doing this one thing well will help and so when we talk about alignment there's really two parts to this the first is what i call intrinsically aligning you yourself so that's where we take one area of our life and for argument's sake today we'll talk about career one area of your life and in this case career and align it with our whole life vision so that's intrinsic alignment extrinsic alignment is once we know how we're aligned intrinsically then we get this idea of who we're serving, who we need to get there, what energy, what resources do we need? And then it's like this idea of attracting people to help us and other and resource and energy to help us assist in achieving this vision. And that's really um, how I look at extrinsic alignment. And so an example of that might be, you know, the one health professional that you recruit that's so aligned to you that you practice um, just profits beautifully, they do a great job, um, your values are similar, it's liquid gold, right? It just works and it's easy. So, um, you know, the question then has to be asked, was that like random? Did it happen intentionally or did you, you know, did you make that happen? And I think, I think what we're trying to talk about here is this alignment, this process of alignment is really a process that you can use to allow that to happen without, um, you know, without leaving it to chance. And so once we get this and we align to a broader life vision, both intrinsically and extrinsically, I just think balance, sense of purpose and clarity returns. And that allows us to be better, serve, serve others with greater longevity and, um, and, and allow others that rely on us to be a better version of ourselves. Okay. So this, is, this sounds great, but... Is it harder than it sounds? And, you know, I recognise that these ideas are, 
are simpler to write than to implement. And, you know, in modern busy life, it's hard, isn't it? Um, you know, it requires time, space, clear, clear thinking and commitment to action. Um, you know, I know when I was a busy graduate or, or even a clinic owner, to try and take that time to sit down and get clear about some of this thinking, it almost would have been an imposition. And like even sitting still for long enough to sort of think about it is almost, almost the thought of that back, back when I was in the clinic was almost, um, you know, brings about a, a level of anxiety. And so I realise it can be hard, but I think the return on investment um, that I've seen for myself and for my clients that are dedicated this time to, to do this um, is just incredible. And, um, you know, it all starts with the individual and flows out to other, other areas of your life, including your career and your business. Um, and so when you do this and, you know, as individuals, we sit down and as business owners, we sit down and we formulate our own vision, um, then, you know, it, it's, it's a, a case of you might find out something interesting about yourself. You might or might not align together. But at the end of the day, um, you'll know and whether it's time for a change or whether it's time to manipulate the situation so that things look better, like either way, the process will yield um, positive results. Okay, so I've banged on about life vision for, for a bit too long. Let's get into some um, practical ideas about how we actually do this. So some take-home steps and... Um, and yeah, feel free to, um, you know, use this yourself or perhaps um, Jade will um, share this with you after or it'll be available through the, through the platform either way. So um, when we create a life vision, when we think about it, there's probably four key steps. So we'll unpack those just now. And then following that, um, there's a few simple things that really help the process. So we'll, we'll dive into that as well. Okay, step one, pretty easy, although a lot of people will find it hard and that's just stop, stop, come up for air, sit with your feelings. If things aren't great, you know, accept where you're at. And like I said, with this, um, this discussion around resilience, um, understand what opportunities are ahead of you. And, you know, it's your life. Like you have to know that you're in charge. Sure. There might be some consequences as a result of um, choice or making a decision, but there's consequences with everything. Um, you know, know that you have choice in how things play out. You, you don't have to fall victim to circumstances. Okay, step two, know yourself. So we talked about this before and um, understanding your gifts, your values and your passions and how that can lead to purpose. And, you know, I can remember distinctly uh, when I went through some coaching towards the end of my physio career that, you um, uh, yeah, I, you know, someone asked me, my coach asked me, what are your gifts? And I was like, are you seriously going to ask me about my gifts or talk about myself and, and, you know, potentially ask me to explain how good I am? It's like, it's just not something that sat naturally with me. And it probably isn't something that sits naturally with many people. But, you know, your gifts are, are the things that um, others can always rely on you for, things that you do naturally personal traits or attributes that you, you consistently bring to the table that are bringing out the best version of yourself and helping others um, always. And so knowing those is, is really, really important to, do, uh, to, to living purposefully. And your passions are a little bit easier. Like we all know what we love to do, but even so, you know, concreting that down and writing that out is really key. And then values. I mean, many of us may have done work around values, um, and it's interesting, I ask people often, what do you value? And they go, oh, you know, happiness. But, you know, your values are, it's more than, it's more, everybody likes to be happy, right? But it, it's more about um, your personal code of conduct. Like how, what is the code that you conduct yourself by um, when you live your life? And more often than not, if you're feeling discomfort with something in your life, it's when there's a conflict between what you are doing and what your values are. So keep that in mind. And then, you know, down the bottom is a nice little purpose statement, um, which, you know, for me just emerged after, I don't know, six to eight months of um, getting into this stuff and living purposefully. One day I was just like, wow, there's really something in this concept of freedom for me. And then, you know, we talk about harmony, like harmony is like 
um, every area of your life just kind of floating along nicely the way that you want it. And I was like, God, there's got to be something around helping others with that. Like, so that's what bred that purpose statement. And then step three is um, creating your, your buckets of fulfillment. So, and this is where we start to speak to our life vision. So your buckets of fulfillment are just the different areas of your life. And, and um, you know, for most people, we're probably going to have four or five that are the same, like career, finances, health, well-being, passions, interests, um, partner. Although when we get into the nitty-gritty of it, some of this um, uh, we can break down into more specific um, parts. But, you know, when we, when we start to deal with these buckets, it's, it's like, okay, if we had to describe in um, for my well-being, for example, you know, what does good actually look like? And when I'm, you know, doing what good looks like, how does it feel? And what am I experiencing? So it's not really the actions associated with it. It's more like just what, I, what would it look like? What would I be seeing and feeling? Like, you know, what are you trying to see in your mind's eye that would be ideal? So that's your buckets of fulfillment. And, you know, when they're all working nicely, life should feel pretty good. Okay, so that brings us into uh, a little um, a little bit of granular work on, on each of those buckets. And so you can sort of see over here on the left, I've got, I've brought that vision of what good looks like over here. And then I've provided, you know, some ideas about what good feels like. So these are emotions down the bottom here. And, you know, I've just chucked in a few random picks there. That's, that's not me. Um, and then, you know, over here, this is where we start to get granular about, um, the, the actions that we need to do. So it's like, what am I doing more of when I'm bringing um, good looks like to life? And what am I doing less of as well? Um, you know, at the end of the day, having awareness around um, your, your, your blockers or things that you might do to self-sabotage is really important here because you're going to bang those down into the do less area. So this is where we get clear about the actions. And so... Once you've done all that, it's all about bringing it to life. And, you know, there's a nice little quote here, the difference between dreams and reality is called action. And, um, you know, this is where coaching seems to, like, you know, I look at people and even for myself, where, how did coaching really help me? This is where I think it really helps because things that think when we – yeah, things that prevent us from taking action are usually um, buried deep within our limiting beliefs. And so the challenge around that for us is to get past those. And that's where coaching really helps. So, you know, um, navigating limiting beliefs, being accountable to what you say you're going to do um, is where a coach really helps. And so, um, you know, you've got your actions, you've built it into your blueprint. Now it's time to do it. And that's where coaching um, is hugely beneficial. And, you know, then it's a case of reviewing it, um, measuring it, being intuitive and adapting. And so, you know, once we get the vision and we set, uh, we set vision set and we recruit others in our journey um, as owners or older, older clinicians um, and graduates, we're, we're really well served to recognise these three success factors. So the first one's the earned success. And this is just the what of what we're doing. It's like, the, so it's the feeling of what, uh, the feeling you are great at what you're doing. Secondly, it's like service to others. So it's the who. And, you know, the sense that your um, professional contribution is making a difference to others and not just fueling your own ambition. And then thirdly, it's continued alignment. And this is the why. So this is where your vision if you're an owner and the vision of a younger graduate should be collaborated often and it helps to have um, perhaps processes embedded within the business where graduates get the chance to comp contemplate, evaluate and then, you know, live their vision and practice owners get to serve both their personal and practice vision as well. So it's a two-way street. And then, you know, we talked about coaching before, but this is, um, this is an important note. It's hard to go it alone. Um, you know, communicating this to, um, to your support networks and significant others 
and then again bringing coaching um, to help uncover new possibilities are all um, fantastic ways of, of helping bring your vision to life and even to help collaborate it with others. Okay, so we're intrinsically aligned, we're extrinsically aligned, we've done all that, you know, blueprint work, um, you know your buckets, how do we bring this theory and this this um, uh, this vision setting to life in in real everyday practice? And I think there's um, a message here for both sides. And you know, I'm just going to bring up some immediate thoughts that that I, I had around the practicalities of this. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunities, but if we dive into a few, um, let's talk about recruitment. I mean, the interview process is a great place to start with vision al um, alignment. And, you know, the candidate or company may or may not have a vision, but it's up to you to be prepared. And, you know, this blueprint, I'll just bring it back, this blueprint we went through before um, is, is an ideal um, way to start. And, and it should form the basis of a lot of the interview content, kind of like a discussion guide. And so let's bring this back. And so... Um, you know, it might be questions like in an interview, it might be, you know, when you're working in your role and it feels great and, you know, what are you doing exactly? Describe it to me. And how are you doing it? And who's this for? And how does it make you feel? Why does it make you feel this way? And, you know, these are the questions, aren't they, that as a, a younger graduate, we just hated to get. You're sitting in that chair going, are you really forcing me to dig deeply, that deeply in and answer questions like, I don't know how I feel, I just want the job or just, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, they're difficult questions, but I cannot tell you as an owner how important that stuff is to hear. You know, we don't like, we don't really care as owners whether or not you can, um, you know, do X, Y, Z manual technique, or we, we want to know who you are, what do you value, and like, where are you headed? What's your vision? And, you know, someone who presents to me like that, I just used to sit there and go, oh my God, I've got to get this person on board um, if it aligns. Um, and yeah, I just think it's just so valuable in that sense. And so the next one was around retention. And, you know, again, that same blueprint within, within your bucket and the granular, the granular actions associated with it is that becomes a template for ongoing review and alignment. And so, you know, um, uh, questions like, um, okay, great. You know, you mentioned within your do more that you need to set more boundaries. How's that going for you? How's, how's it look right now? How are you feeling about this? Is that working for you? Um, so there's opportunities with retention and um, and uh, reviews to, to use that. And then, you know, with productivity as well, like uh, I would almost say that if you can get this alignment that we're talking about, um, you know, key productivity markers like PVA, cancellation, new patients, client, client uh, sessions per week, all of those sorts of things. I'm not going to give any guarantees, but I'd almost say if you've got alignment, those the, an increase in productivity with those markers is imminent. Don't hold me to that, but um, but it's the theory, and and um, you know certainly something that you could measure and track as a result of improving that alignment process. Either way, the onus is on both the individual and the practice owner to ensure that alignment's occurring. Okay, so couple of last things a vision is just a guiding principle it's not a categoric end state um, so you know you're the author of your own story if you are achieving things and it feels great it means you're on the right path and you know remember that when you set a life vision any fears or discomfort you have are just um, reminded to keep you on track um, when you align your personal vision to that of an organisation, that is where the magic happens. And that's kind of what we're talking about today, that alignment. And, you know, a little bit of a cliched term down the bottom, but it really truly is an opportunity to turn pain into possibilities. So what does the future bring? Well, I think that, um, you know, this new thinking is swirling around our industry. It's not going away. 
Uh, I think it's an employment trend generally. And I think professionals are looking for a way to bring their passions to life, uh, to live and serve and operate in a, you know, just a more purposeful environment. Um, you know, it's well documented that the emotional benefits for businesses and teams um, is better when vision and values align. And like, at the least, it's just a way better way to be living your life and getting better life experience, setting yourself up to navigate away from burnout than to push through it, um, like many of us have done, and um, myself included. So I'd just finish off by saying that if I'd known earlier and challenged my own limiting beliefs, uh, worked on a whole life vision, I think potentially I would have enjoyed certainly the last, yeah, last few years of my journey a little bit better. Um, and, you know, the challenges that I faced may not have been as co consequential. Um, and, you know, acknowledge it's not always easy to seek change and implement it, but um, I think taking control of your life this way is, is definitely worth it. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Gosh, I've, I've written so much down. It's just, <laughs> I think, firstly, on reflection, uh, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to put all that together. I think often... Uh, even remembering back all those years ago when I was a new graduate and then even more front of mind the last few years, this concept of finding your why and your purpose delivered with such certainty can create anxiety hmm. in a lot of young ones and even to the point where, and I'd love your thoughts on this, you go through a five-year course, you've studied physiotherapy, chiropractic, osteopathy, you're two years in practice you're into that kind of grind of patient base and regular days and shifts and living for your weekends and you can do what you want to do. What if, you know, and I, I kind of wrote down that contribution or that service part of your bucket, so to speak, the who you do it for, what if you get to that point really early on, and I've heard from a lot of graduates, where it's just not there for you then do you go into this internal battle of, well, have I chosen the right career? And then do, do have you found in your experience that a lot of people stay in something just because of this sunk money bias? They've invested years of academic education into it or they've invested into a mortgage and they need the money. Do, how do people get out of that rut? And I'm not suggesting that people want to get out of allied health. But in any industry, there's a lot of mundane tasks that we don't want to do that we all have to do. Not everybody gets the unicorn job of being a travel host and fleeting around visiting all the islands around the world. I mean, that would be my dream job. <laughs> but we all have to do these mundane tasks. I guess I'd like to know your advice if you are that struggling graduate or in actual fact that practice owner after 15 years in practice who feels like they're so tied. And I can even speak for this myself. During COVID, I felt suffocated. I felt like I couldn't get out and that was, I guess, the, the beginnings of what was my burnout and, as you said, step two, if I wasn't so aware of myself, I probably might have gone down that spiralling path. Those people who are in that place, and I know you've got a whole course so I don't expect you to go through whole 12 weeks' worth, but what's your first piece of advice for these people who really are just stuck in that rut? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the, um, you know, probably one of the biggest difficulties in coaching people forward is when financial stability isn't a thing for them. And, you know, they have to do the thing that's perhaps creating the discomfort because it's providing them with a means in order to live or, or whatever. So that is always a difficult circumstance. But I honestly think there's, you know, there's only two ways to think about that. And the first is to stay put and do nothing. Or the second is to reevaluate. And like when you don't have financial stability and you just need to be hanging in there because the money helps, um, the transition either away from that or, or, or changing within that environment um, may be significantly longer 
and you may need more patience and more trust and more sort of um, guidance with that. But I think there's ultimately only two, two ways forward there. It's either stay put, nothing changes, or, okay, things are changing. And if that has to happen, just like skerrick by skerrick by skerrick, and, you know, and that occurs over two years, like would you be happier if you were a, a person shaping um, your life and, you know, the way you're going to spend particularly time in your career bucket, would you be a person that's happier just shaping it little bit by little bit by little bit and eventually getting to the end point? Or, you know, are you sitting there just going, I hate what I'm doing, can't do it anymore, pain, torture, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, it does still come back to choice and there is sacrifices with, with any choice. And I totally acknowledge that financial stability is um, probably one of the biggest blockers to helping move people forward. But um, I still believe that that there is always a way forward Um yeah. And you did, you, you had this, and I wrote it down, you had this, you said this beautiful statement really early on, discomfort to possibility. Yeah. And I just, that for me is so refreshing. I love positive psychology, but often we sit in this state of dissonance and discomfort all the time. That, that's where the feeling stuck comes from. So reframing that to be possibility and then trying to look at all those different things, like knowing yourself and, and you know, I'd love and I, I intend on doing it with my team, that exercise of writing down your buckets yeah. and what goes in them. You know, we know through the science behind gratitude that even just writing down three things that you're grateful for can change your whole perspective if you do that every evening over about 11, seven to 11 days. You can actually get a neurological shift. Yeah. So I love that discomfort to possibility. And a lot of it does come down to reframing. And that's where the coaching is so important is having somebody who's been there before and say, hey, this is where you see yourself and this is where we want you to be, um, which is great. But I guess here, you know, part of my job is to play devil's advocate and, and I am bracing at the moment, We, particularly in Victoria, because I can speak very much for living the hell that we have been through for almost two years. I'm bracing for this big redundancy, uh, this big resignation where people decide that life is more than just grinding through COVID and people are going to want to go on holidays. Everyone, as soon as let us out, let us out, we're all going to be, you know, as soon as we could, I, I booked a flight, I'm already going to Queensland, I can't wait to go to Bali. I'd stick a fork in my eye if I could go to Bali tomorrow for four weeks. But everybody wants this time off. We all value time. So how do we, and I guess the other concept of that, and you brought it up sort of a few times when it comes to values, gifts, passion, equals purpose I love that formula and I know that money isn't everything but it certainly helps and I often talk to my team a lot about time we love time these are our greatest currencies time energy but also money because even if you had time and all the time and energy in the world you still can't do really meaningful purposeful things without money to support you so that framing how do we brace ourselves as business owners who our mindset is work hard, work hard, work hard so we can eventually step away and get that work-life balance. And we've got, we're hoping to draw in these new graduates and these new people who are inspired by their career moving forward. And then they turn around and say, I want weekends off. And you've got a business owner who's been working for 10 years to get weekends off and a new generation saying, well, I want this work-life balance and this is really important to me and my vision and my alignment. I don't want to work weekends. How do we deal with this as an industry? Because we are a service-driven industry. We need to see people after hours. We need to see people on weekends. What is the solution for this shift in mindset? Because we can't always offer flexible working arrangements. Yeah, it's a great question. And um, yeah, I was just laughing before when you said, you'd meet with some of your, your um, staff and they'd say, oh, I don't want to work weekends because I remember having that conversation a lot of times. But, um, yeah, you know, I think for, for uh, younger, younger professionals, I, I'd really encourage you to try to understand, like, you know, if you're doing a job and so say it happens to involve working on a Saturday and you just say, oh, I don't want to work on Saturday because... Um, missing out on social occasions or whatever yet that that work you're doing allows you to share your gifts 
um, you know, express your values and, and it is passionate work for you. So as an example, perhaps, I don't know, working with a sports team, mm-hmm. if that fits part of your vision, then like, you know, there's an element where we, we still have to do the hard work, I believe, and, and it's just whether the hard work fits with the vision. So I, I would encourage those people who are coming to you with that conversation to be saying, am I just not wanting to work because I don't want to work because it's a weekend? Or am I really, you know, am I really not wanting to work because it's really not a fit? And that's where that intrinsic alignment sort of comes along. So, you know, number one, get clear about why it is you don't want to do the work. Mm. All right. And then number two, um, for, for yeah, owners or the, the, the slightly older generation, perhaps, um, you know, if someone's coming to you like that, it'd be like, okay, um, let's go through this, maybe this values check, or let's maybe relook at the blueprint. This is a perfect practical example of how you could look at that blueprint and say, okay, you said to me you wanted this, this, and this in your, in your, um, your vision, and these were the actions to do it. Now you're telling me you sort of don't want to, you know, do the weekend work or whatever it is. Like, is, how do you feel that fits? And and you know, it's not really fitting with what I've got over here. And so it's, you know, it's a topic of discussion. And so, um, yeah, I would say it's a little bit of an abstract answer, but um, yeah, that, I guess that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. And it, it, I guess it comes back to that, that quote from Ben that I love that I wrote down as well. The difference between dreams and reality is called action. You know, at some point, and it's not even a matter of, you know, the whole Gary V do the work type thing. Yeah. There, there is a little bit of being realistic. If your income is generated from a certain needs within an industry in a certain time frame, then I guess we have to just compromise and empathy on both sides, I guess, particularly as a business owner. Of course, we want people to be able to travel. I want everybody to enjoy the European summer as soon as it's open, but it doesn't mean I can give everybody three months off to go backpacking at the same time. Um, And it's not even from a business owner's perspective. It's about sharing and contributing to the rest of the team everybody's going to want to have holidays and I, I we are certainly encouraging that in fact we're, we're telling people to kind of go on holidays now and take that break and make sure that you are filling as many of those buckets as you possibly can so the other thing I guess that it kind of brings me to is we're seeing this new generation of compassion fatigue which is not so much that um increase labor seeing 90 patients smashing through 90 patients a week on a 20 minute list and all that sort of stuff compassion fatigue is sort of taking on the suffering of your patients and not being able to put that aside and on the flip side of that burnout for this midlife generation that you talk about which i put myself in there (laughs) is more of a responsibility fatigue the fact that yes we all make choices and yes all our choices have consequences but sometimes it's really hard to avoid responsibility. We've got car payments made. We've got a house. We've got a commitment to looking after children. We've got a business, all of those sorts of things. So I love the fact that you've said multiple and the common thread through this whole thing is sort of that this living purposefully. We do the things that we don't want to do for the people that we love. We do the things that don't really matter because ultimately they matter to somebody else and we want to contribute to that. So that whole concept I loved. And then when it comes to sort of staff retention and alignment, bringing it right back to that recruitment, having those conversations really on about core values is I took from that, having an understanding of this beautiful concept of yours of these three steps, but starting it at grassroots, starting it from the very beginning, from who you're hiring, what are your core values, how can I align You know, if somebody isn't saying, well, you know, it's really important to me to go away camping every single weekend with my family, if they raise that and then they don't get the job because obviously that job doesn't align with the work that needs to be done, then both people are happy because a new graduate's not taking a job to be forced to do something that they're not doing and a business owner isn't blindsided by the fact that six months later somebody's going to turn around and push for weekends off. So I loved that concept as well. And the fact that now it seems like, you know, all of us old school kind of work hard to get balance, we're seeing the opposite now in that if you give me balance, I will work harder for you. And this is the mindset we have to change. Is that 
your understanding of that now is really people having to change and be a lot more, more malleable rather than be fixated in this this way, the way we've always done it approach? Yeah, I think you're right about a lot of that, Jade. Um, by the way, you're not midlife yet. <laughs> I'm, 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 a, I'm pushing 45. I am. Um, so, yes, I, I agree with that. You know what, though? Um, I, I think that there is an understanding, um, particularly at the corporate level, and perhaps that filters down to SME as well, um, around having to provide this environment and, and um, give and, and nurture. So I think we're understanding this, but, you know, where I think a lot of the problem is, is where organisations are providing that and, and um, employees or perhaps um, people who are working for the organisation is still coming and saying, well, you know, I'm still not happy. And it's like, well, hang on, you've got a responsibility yourself to, to you, know, equal, you know, bring it to the, to the head as well. And so both parties need to be coming to the middle and having this, this idea if you if you're just happy for the for the sake of um you know being unhappy and and um and uh you've not um done the work on yourself or perhaps um you know tried to communicate or create a situation where you know you you're um, genuinely trying to set the, the the situation up to improve then you know i think both parties have a responsibility so i think organizations are doing that better but you know, the problem exists when organisations do that and there's not, there's not the contribution from the other side as well. Yeah, and I, I think I love that again. It was another thread and I wrote it down a couple of times, this notion of accountability. We can't depend on somebody else for our own happiness and we all have a duty of care to be able to contribute and make choices in our life that make us happier. Now, through COVID, somebody said to me, are you happy? you seem like you're chasing your tail all the time. You seem busy. I said, I don't even have time to answer the question. Am I happy? I'm surviving. Yeah. But one of the great things that's come from this is, is an amazing way, I guess, to finish off is that things are looking up. The light is at the end of the tunnel. We've gone through a, a really terribly challenging time where we've need to draw on that resilience that you were talking about early on and really dig deep and now is the time to really be uplifting and that shift in positivity towards accountability and resilience and and gratitude I think all ties into this and having that you know purpose and flow behind you I think is just a beautiful summary even though it is your your coaching foundations it's also a great brand name and it's a great draw card. So how can we find out more about you, Josh? I mean, I, this, I could talk to you about this all day and I know that yeah. it's a very, very hot topic at the moment and rightly so. So how do we, how do we find out about you? Tell us more about your course. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I mean, the easiest way is to probably head over to our website, which is www.purposeandflow, so um, A-N-D, Purpose and Flow com.au and um, there's heaps of information on our flagship course which is called powered by purpose and um, uh, so yeah it's great information there something else that might be of interest to um, our listeners as well jade is a really handy little free resource called the career pulse check mm-hmm. and um, this is a uh, free resource that's just designed to help you understand whether you are aligning. So whether your career, so it's more about this intrinsic alignment. So is your career aligned to your whole life vision? So um, that's a really nice uh, resource to start with, and perhaps. And is that um, on your website? How can it we is, find yeah. that? So it's on the, yep, it's on the home page, <clears throat> and there's a resources icon on the top. If you click on that, there's a drop down menu that says career pulse check. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's a great place to get started and we'll probably open up some insights for people about, you know, whether things are aligned or not. And if, you know, at that point, um, reach out to us. Like, you know, my email is josh at purposeandflow.com.au and, um, yeah, you can feel free to email me on that or um, there's a little um, call now button thing on the website which allows you to schedule a call. So I'd be more than happy to, to speak heaps heaps about that sort of stuff and um and reach out if you if you want to pull your insights and, and chat about it. Yeah. And look, you know, 
I know how valuable business coaching is, but life coaching is, is just transcends all of it. And that's what you're doing. And you can certainly hear your passion when you talk today. So I'm so glad that you are doing what you love and you're exactly where we need you to be in allied health and beyond. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Now you can get back to continuing to work on that tan. Jade, thank you so much for having me. It's um, It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I spoke with Paul Wright the other week as well. And um, yeah, we, we spoke about, you know, life coaching and business coaching, how does it sort of differ? And um, yeah, it's a great, um, a great uh, way to describe it is to sort of say, I think life coaching is like the, you know, it's like the foundations of the house um, or perhaps the structure of the house. And, you know, your business coaching is perhaps one room of the house among other rooms. Um, and yeah, so it's a nice little uh, metaphor to sort of just help describe the differences for people if, you, if you're wondering. But um, you're right, I am um, feeling happier and, and hopefully sounding happier um, where I'm at right now. But yeah, I appreciate your time. And let me say that, um, you know, it's just so great what you're doing within this community and um, how you're helping people and, you know, the group that you've created. You need to have a massive um, star put on your head. It's, it's awesome. Thank you. And look, I guess I, I get to connect with people like yourself all the time. So I guess, you know, it, it's a true testament to when you are living purposefully, then, you know, you really do get to start to put a, a smile on your face. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And we will hopefully get in touch with you shortly. Thanks very much, Ron. Thanks for listening. Bye.